It is time to tune up the band and pay a visit to the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Just Reardon this week, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. But we have a very special guest with us as well. Oh my goodness. It gives me great pleasure to say, you may know this person from Dub3, from those, from PWG all those years ago. Yes, there was once a time, I still can't believe it, that this man shared a ring with the Kings of Wrestling. <laughs> <coughs> but you may know him best as one of the most entertaining people from New Legacy Inc. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to say Dino Winwood is joining us. Hello, oh. Dino. Oh, it's me you're talking about. I, I thought you were talking about John. I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, you got him here too? Holy shit. I can barely get that guy to return a text. I was going to say, and 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 a surprise guest is John. <laughs> Skeep, whoa. But yeah. No. <laughs> shout out to DP Dub. Yes, shouts out to DP Dub. Awesome. They are so cool. Anyway, how are you chaps doing? I'm okay. It's uh, bright and sunny, six twenty-one a.m. here in California. I'm. It's not sunny at all. It's <laughs> nice, and the sun is still asleep, and I prefer that. I don't like the sun. So, <laughs> but you, if you don't like the sun, why are you in California? Because I came out of the womb here, and it's really freaking expensive to do anything else. So, I'm just <laughs> I'm stuck here for a bit. So, you know what? Fair. Carry on. <laughs> Oh, how you been, Raiden? I've been all right. I've been all right. It's been a bit of a bit of a strange week, but I, but the important thing is that I have money, and that's that's all that matters. Oh, uh, that's nice. I uh, envy you. Yes. Uh, just, good old-fashioned capitalism, though. Just riding the capitalism train all the way to the inevitable collapse. We do talk about wrestling on this podcast. I swear, Dino. Uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I've been talking about wrestling for 20 plus years. It's nice to talk about something else for a bit. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> need a capitalism train over here to stop by. And because uh, I want to buy uh, my tradition, I want to buy a, a Terry's chocolate orange for myself. So oh, this man, has, oh my, this man has good taste. I'm, I'm a little shook that you actually know what that is. <laughs> oh, I freaking love it. A lot of people don't know this about me. I, I, there's so many things that I was raised on growing up, and a lot of it was different cultures and everything else. And, and I just found it very interesting and fascinating. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'd like to adapt some of that. So around Christmas time, I get KFC to go with the traditions of Japan. And mm-hmm. then, you know, when Christmas comes around, I get my Terry's chocolate orange to, you know, celebrate y'all. And, it's just, I, I just find it so wonderful and just very, it's something to look forward to. And now that I've discovered that Terry's does a dark chocolate orange, I'm like, oh, crap, I got to get both of these now. So I feel like I need just, to introduce you over in this country. There's a coffee chain over here that does a Terry's chocolate orange muffin where it's just oh, melted Terry's oh. chocolate orange inside the muffin. And they top the muffin with a segment of a Terry's chocolate orange. Okay, so it, let me tell you something. Like, I would give up our ridiculous concoctions of food, like numerous things, just to have that here. That sounds completely wonderful. It's ultra Ugh. decadent, and you're guaranteed to have your blood sugar go up at least by 15. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, so I won't eat anything else that day. So that's totally fine. So <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. 
I will ship one over to you as soon as I possibly can. Although I can't imagine with our <laughs> with our country's economy, I can't imagine how much the import fee will cost for that. <laughs> you know, what? I would probably you know I, I I'm currently looking for a, a Joe job, so I would uh, I definitely would c uh, cut in on that shipping as well because <laughs> I finally had uh, Jaffa cakes not oh. too long ago. Thank you to slip by the way. Uh, it was a, a birthday present. And um, granted, they were all melted as shit when they when they got to my house. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, I've been I've been dying to try these ever since I saw Spaced, and they were worth the wait. Those things were delicious. He's a he's he's a, he's a good ninny, Reardon. He's a good and he has good taste. Okay, okay, he can stay. He can I mean, stay. I show appreciation for chocolate and orange. Like, we don't get much love for orange stuff over here, and orange is like my favorite thing in the world. Like. Mm. citrus anything but the, like orange uh like flavoring coloring anything like orange is like my favorite thing in the world and so just hearing that oh there's a wonderful place that appreciates orange flavoring yes i'm going I, i'm going to give as much support to it as much as possible so <laughs> we thank you for that dino we thank you, I thank you. <laughs> so we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at soundcloud spotify google podcasts apple podcasts and forever pending other platforms you son of a bitch <laughs> you know you know guys He'll our no. our um our subject today will never retire. <laughs> Just like we will never stop pending ever. We are always pending other platforms, and we always will be till the day we die. <laughs> One thing, much before we get on to the news, I have to ask Dino. How does your uh -huh. roommate Howdy feel that we invited you and not him to do the episode on Terry Funk? I imagine he might be a bit offended. <laughs> well, I mean, he seemed a little more hurt. He's definitely calmed down a little bit ever since the, the hat thing and uh, <laughs> losing the television championship. So um, he's definitely a lot more seeming to understand. He still gets a little, he's a little passive aggressive sometimes. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I, I just I just don't look at him. <laughs> I sense that he's being a little bitchy. I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna just focus on the TV here. It's like I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to watch my programs, and he's like, so you know I hope you have a a great time on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I will. <laughs> and he's like, you, know, you can hear him grinding his teeth and everything else. So. <laughs> But you know, it's it's fine. I'm sure I'm gonna get a little bit of an earful when we're when we're done here. But that's okay. I I've dealt with it before. I've lived with this guy for a couple of years, so it's fine. You'll be fine. We'll be fine. So before we get on to our subject, all about Terry Funk, which I am so hyped for, it is time to visit. Actually, wait, Dan's not here, so it's time to visit me for this week's wrestling news. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. This sounds really weird because it should be This is Dan so cursed. This. this is so cursed. <laughs> I am like Christopher Daniels with hair. Like exactly, Christopher it, Daniels with hair is cursed. It's it no. It's like Claudio Castagnoli with hair. That is I remember cursed. that era. I will never forget. Unfortunately, you you knew the man <laughs> from that era. But yes, <laughs> just the worst. Anyway, what do we got? So I'm going to quickly skim over some of the stuff in regards to uh, what's been happening in on Raw and SmackDown. 
pretty much kind of like all the all of the build up is to Survivor Series War Games. All exciting. We now know the fifth person in the women's war games, which is a returning Becky Lynch. Awesome to see Becky back. It's good to see that she's seemingly come back to the man gimmick, which I I will say much prefer over the big time Beck stuff. I, you know, I, it grew on me big time Bex. It did grow on me. I'll say that she 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 rocked the more extravagant outfits more than her husband did. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, as for kind of like stuff in, uh, in on SmackDown, uh, we now know who's going to be in the finals of the World Cup. It's Ricochet versus uh, Santos Escobar. Um, Bray Wyatt is now continuing, alluding to, uh, to more kind of like, it's not so much, it looks like it's not so much a faction, but kind of offshoots of his personality we won't go into a certain thing because i uh because you know uh, uncle someone nah someone had that name before you bray much <laughs> <laughs> like many other things God damn it <laughs> i'm calling that fool out i don't care <laughs> <laughs> as you as you rightfully should <laughs> as you rightfully should uh but i digress but uh, and as for aew <laughs> Let's talk about Full Gear. Because, um, Ridden, you sat and watched this one, didn't you? I watched all of it. I almost died. <laughs> May I just say, before we get into it, like, before we go down the whole thing and some of our favourite things, I must just say, because it's me, yeah, Eddie versus Junakiyama was my favourite match. <laughs> you, how utterly typical. <laughs> it was a dream match I've been wanting for so long, what Eddie had been wanting for so long. Granted, it was never going to break the scales of, like, of wrestling reviewers of five stars, but it, it, it meant so much to me, and you could see it meant so much to Eddie, just to see him trade forearms and chops with one of the greats, the fifth pillar of all Japan. It was so cool to see. Oh, but yeah, um, going over some things as we were talking before we recorded, Reardon, Jack Perry almost died. <laughs> oh, yes. God. almost died. I was not expecting it to go and get as violent as it did. But boy, did that match cage match get really violent. Oh, it did. <laughs> You'd love to see it, really. Also, I just <laughs> love seeing Hill Christian Cage. I just love Hill Christian Cage. I, you know, I was talking to a mutual, uh, a friend of a friend about Christian Cage, and they were talking about how he's so good that he's now made him hate, like, turtlenecks. <laughs> Which I cannot hate turtlenecks <laughs> because I love turtlenecks too much. Same. But I understand. <laughs> I completely understand. Oh no! It was a, it was a blooming good match, if you ask me. Um, the trios match. Um, I enjoyed it for what it for what it was. As a lot of people say, oh, it's just a spot fest after spot fest. But the thing you got to realize is, it's a lucha match. <laughs> yes. I don't know what you people are complaining about. <laughs> It's pretty much a lucha match, but now what we're realizing is this is going to turn into a best of seven series, which I've seen the second match. 
I'm kind of like, ah, oh, does it have to be? Is it too yeah. much of a good thing to have to make it best of seven? Like, yeah, like a, make like a trilogy. Sure, give me a trilogy. Yeah. Best of seven for something like that. Oh, it's like having easily... the um, it's like having the Lucha Bros Young Bucks cage match from last year for the next two months. Reardon, I think people would be spent by the end, by at least yeah. the third match. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and that was my match of that year. Mm. It's like... I, seven? Really? Seven? Seven? Oh my god. I, just, I, 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 I would love to have known what the reaction was when Tony pitched that to, to do them. Okay, guys, you're going to have seven matches. What? Like... Yeah, like I imagine, I imagine even even Penta going. You want me to murder that many times? <laughs> so he's just gonna go higher and higher with when he does a Canadian destroyer off of. So. <laughs> it's just going to be like a looping Canadian destroyer. Oh God! You know, you know what? I think I'd be okay with that. Like, uh, just recreate the uh, Dakota Ibushi. Uh, spot where he took the endless supply of Canadian destroyers. Yes, uh, man, that man's gonna flip around so much he's gonna turn into like a skull version of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> oh god, Penta El Zero Sonic. No, uh... that's just Shadow, and that's just Shadow, and we all know it. <laughs> that is true. If it comes out of a submachine gun, that's definitely Shadow. <laughs> Uh, TBS Championship match. Ch Jade Cargill retains. Love to see it. Yep. It's good. Love to see uh, it. I was going to say, good to see. Kind of seemingly now that this has actually has a full stop ending because it as mm -hmm. as I said in the predictions last week, seemed like this storyline dragged on for a little bit too long. Although we that say that being said, we got to see some of like Nyla Rose's humor and charisma, and it's so we cool seeing that. We got to see. We got to see. We got to see Vicky Guerrero in a lowrider with "I'm Your Mommy." I'm I'm happy, frankly. I'm happy, frankly. That's all I need in wrestling. Yep. Uh, the ROH World Championship Four Way. I was loved it. loved it. Pleasantly surprised because I feel like I, with with the four involved, I thought it was going to be way too much, especially when you especially with Jericho and and Sammy, they tend to do a little too much. I feel in certain matches, but this one, no, it's perfectly balanced as all things should be. Is to quote Thanos. I I am I love Chris Jericho repeatedly forgetting that Claudio is super strong. <laughs> <laughs> just just every time and Claudio getting in increasingly annoyed that people forget that he's super strong yes yes oh by the way did, if you saw Rampage uh, yesterday he was getting what <laughs> Claudio was getting what chance during oh, his promo boy. and I was like one thing I do appreciate Claudio doing is that he was not when he heard it he was not going to give them the satisfaction of keeping on doing it so he just he just went for his promo. <laughs> yep. Pretty professional. But we are getting Claudio versus Chris Jericho for final battle, with the stipulation being, should Claudio lose, he has to join the Jericho Appreciation Society. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. 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 Oh, no. Ew. Ew. This, this, we are seeing... The dissolution of the Blackpool Combat Club before our very eyes, gentlemen. 
Ew. <laughs> well, I mean, after that charming, I mean, that chilling promo, that Regal cut, where you don't really know why he did it. Mm. <laughs> it just, it's it's unpredictable. <laughs> and it's, I think, I think the biggest threat that this breakup has, or this, you know, dissolving has, is how is his feelings towards Excalibur going to be now that he's a heel? Exactly. So, is he going to be his little crumpet anymore? <laughs> Yeah, like, or is he, you know, just going to go full-on Dom with it? I don't know. We don't know. We just have to watch. Who knows? In a surprising (laughs) turn of events, Samoa Joe is now double champion. I was was pleasantly surprised, because as I said, I thought Wardlow would have retained, but I wouldn't have been fussed if it were either two men picking up the victory as well in Hobbs and Joe. But Joe is now Mm -hmm. double champion. Which is fascinating. However, and I'm perfectly happy with Joe winning. Yep. I did I did not expect this, but I but I hoped and I got it. <laughs> oh. And now for the match that myself, Reardon, and Dan were all looking forward to. It's the it, it, it's TNA 2.0, ladies and gentlemen. Oh no. <laughs> Sting and Darby <laughs> Allen defeat Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, but I will say it's just damn. I enjoyed this match on so many levels, and most of it was purely because we're seeing Jeff Jarrett again, and he came out to my world as well. So I can't be, I can't be, I can't complain. Sting needs to remember that he's not young. Oh yeah, Sting is uh is six is sixty three years young. And uh, <laughs> oh my god, listen. <laughs> Stop trying to show up your goth son. Just, <laughs> but however, that that Nam Singh is obviously not a fan of of my Chemical Romance because he was throwing Darby Allen like <laughs> like he was nothing. I'll show you that you're not okay. Throwing, <laughs> jumping like a like a twenty something, uh, <laughs> overshooting a catch. And yeah, I, when I imagine lawn darting himself into a guardrail, that definitely yeah. didn't do him any favors. No. Not at all. Although I do like seeing the one thing I did a pop for crazy being a you know a a a uh, a TNA fan without question is Jarrett doing the scared spot with Sting, like he's scared out of his skin. Yeah, just just like you you two know exactly what you're doing. You're playing with my heart. And I should not like it, but I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Jamie Hayter defeats Tony Storm for the interim world Huzzah. women's world championship. Huzzah! But the announcement is that it's actually Jamie Hayter is now full on AEW women's champion. Mhm. Mhm. Very happy that's to see pretty, it. That's pretty much all I can say because mm. what else, what has not been said about that situation? Exactly. And how we got to that point. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A lot more shenanigans than I thought there would be in that match. Ridiculous amount, frankly. <laughs> like, like, why does Britt Baker want Jamie to win? I just kept going back to it in my mind. I feel it's, what? it's, you know, it, it reminds me, it's, it's almost kind of like, maybe this is sort of their um, evolution storyline where Randy Orton won the title when Triple H <laughs> decides that he's not having any of that. <laughs> he wants the title for himself. 
I just don't know. Hopefully this time, though, with this time, Tony actually makes it a slow burn rather than one night later. <laughs> we shall see. We talked. We to, we, as, as I said, we talked about uh, we talked about the uh, the reign of terror on episode two of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are the acclaimed retained against Swerve and our glory? Mm-hmm. Nice to see another great tag team match from these two teams. Yep. Yeah. Can't fault any of them. Um, it seems like we're going, but it does seem like we're going to be getting Swerve versus Keith Lee, which I'm quite hyped for seeing. Two That's incredibly talented su- dudes. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be so good. Assuming their talk didn't uh, go well, because the the promo on the next day, the next show was just let's talk, and then they <laughs> they put the hand over the camera. So I'm like, what are they doing? That was Rick. <laughs> Ro- that was actually Rick Ross off camera going accusations. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to the main event. I think everyone saw it coming. Yep. MJF is now your new AEW World's champion after shenanigans involving William Regal. But I will say I do... up until that point, MJF was kind of holding his own quite well, I would say. I do <laughs> love I do love John Moxley's entire entire fighting style in this in it's, which is a fighting style of why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> I was saying balloons. Like, like, it was kind of shocking how many, how much people were booing John. Mm. Well, it was Jersey. I'll, that is, yeah, that. that is true. Uh, that is fair. home field advantage for one, Mr. Friedman. But... For once, but it was funny to see. And now. Absolutely. And now he's off to shoot that um that Von Eric film, the Iron Claw film with uh, with Zach Efron mm-hmm. as Kevin Von Eric. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you Which know what? It, it's some of the most interesting casting ever, and the exactly. fact that A twenty four is doing a wrestling movie, like oh my gosh! Have like, you seen so how jacked <laughs> Zach is at the moment? Like he is huge. <laughs> He he's been to the cabinet. He's been to the medicine cabinet. Like that's that's just so very obvious. Like he was film. he was shredded in Baywatch. He is gigantic in this film. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to see that he also does have the Kevin Von Erich bowl cut because I was a bit worried that we're just going to let him have like the Kerry long hair. But no, they're going full on with him looking like Kevin. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's you no know, attention to detail that. It's you know it's a twenty four. It's not Netflix. So I'm sure Netflix will be like, oh, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, this isn't the Cowboy Bebop um, live action remake. Oh, oh God, <laughs> don't bring that up. Look, I only oh, got through God. one episode before I had to stop. <laughs> I, I I stuck it out. I I just kept telling myself the whole thing. Okay, this is whatever the hell they decide that this is. Is it? Oh, it's not a reboot. It's a retelling. Retelling. I'm like, oh shut up. And so. <laughs> As it continuously went on, I'm like, okay, all right. And it got to the final episode. I say final because it got canceled. Thank goodness. Um, I'm like, wow. Shit on this show. Like, I literally just was completely upset. And I went and watched the original anime again. I'm like, okay, we bounced this out. This is fantastic. So never again. Don't trust Netflix with your adaptations, especially of anime. But. Well, here comes the One Piece remake soon. No, it will happen. It, that will definitely happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading to think what the first, or well, what what the reviews are going to be like for that, or when the production photos come out 
for the One Piece remake. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, yes, I say, MJF's champion. Really cool to see. It's nice to see them kind of going in this new direction. Ricky Starks is now the number one contender after winning the Eliminator Ooh. tournament. I am hyped as heck to see that match happen at Winter is Coming. Mm -hmm. I Winter think... won't be the only thing that day, so... <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, of course, they're going to probably play into the rib injury. Which, by the way, Ricky Starks, points for you actually taping up the rib section. Because every other wrestler tapes their stomach up. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Brock Lesnar, from 2003. <laughs> so, bonus points to Ricky on that. I think this is going to be a really great rivalry. I think this might be what you... As, as I said last week... This full gear is going to probably be the deciding factor of where AEW now go into 2023 and beyond. I yep. think, do it right, you could potentially have these two be the main event scene and really pl mm. and really kind of have this journey with them a la Hangman and Kenny. Because I think <sighs> that the fan appreciation is there for Ricky Starks. I think a lot of people have said, look, you've got a guy that oozes charisma. No one quite like Dwayne has been has been around the wrestling scene. So, I reckon, why not? <laughs> Am I being mad? I, maybe, but I don't think you're being too mad. <laughs> it's more perturbed than anything. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knowing me, I could just got this all wrong, and suddenly, CM Punk's back. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't wish that into the world. Because oh, look, so, I'm sorry, Dino. I'm hurt and I'm old and I'm fucking tired and I and I work with fucking children. So. <laughs> I know they they underpay teachers a lot. So <laughs> also, Mindy's Bakery is, uh, is 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 closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I just keep going back to it because there are so many memeable quotes that I don't think he realized he was making at that time. <laughs> Well, it was it was just a big mess. Like people were just like, "Hey, we had a really good show. What the hell is going on here? Yes. Like, what, 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 what? He, he, what?" And then you hear the news just come out, and everything is literally just spilling out everywhere. And you're like, "What is happening to this company? Like, there's so much confusion by it." And then you know, it's like you go back and you rewatch it. It's like it's like watching. <laughs> Like some sort of mystery show. It's like, oh shit, it was there the whole time. Like, how did we not notice this? Like, we're just so blind by the happiness and joy. And yeah, it just, it, it's, it was a very interesting part of this chapter of professional wrestling, especially the book of AEW. But <laughs> if it's, I if mean, it's me, I'm probably the only one who thinks of it. Peter Avalon is AEW champion. <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly honest, Peter Avalon, and I, I, I I'm saying this 100% with factual experience of knowing this guy when he was a student and watching him come up in this world and the re like you know i'm one of those people i will put my friends over but here's the thing though i do not stress on on people especially if i know them if i didn't believe in those talents and peter avalon should have had a damn title in aew at some point if by now because he took a gimmick that clearly nobody else wanted or wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. But Peter Avalon, being the professional that he is, took it and ran with it. And then he made the wingmen, who, which got over. Yep. And even when they put them on Dynamite for that 
breath they still got over. And so Peter Avalon being a champion in AEW is something that really should be in the in the like storyline process already. But you know, I don't know what the hell is going through Mr. Khan's head even when even before punk when i had my cup of coffee there i that guy was going two million miles a minute i'm just like how is this dude doing any of this and mm. what's going on but it's it's interesting to see how things are going to unfold like you said this is really going to be the test of what direction AEW is going to go in because you can tell that he had a lot riding on punk being there mm-hmm. and to be perfectly honest, like I'm gonna say this right now, you can't rely on that type of person because if you bring in a guy and have him be the main event focus and whatnot, you can't do that because that pushes back all the other talents that you're already pushing back and not elevating. And mm. so this whole process of it, of of him literally shitting the bed and burning the bridge with the bed on top of it, um. I'm happy to see that Ricky Starks is in this picture, and I hope that they keep him there for a while because you said it yourself, the man drips charisma. Anybody who watches or anybody who had seen his work prior to signing with AEW know that this man could be a really good and excellent contender and rival Mm. to a man like MJF, another man who oozes charisma, who's good on the microphone and can hold his own in the ring, no matter what the the stipulation or situation is. And that is what we need here, especially in AEW, because we have our heroes. We have the Blackpool Combat Club dissolving, consisting of the gods of indie wrestling back Mm -hmm. in the day, but we need to focus on the future of it as well, and what better way to do that than with two people who can literally go to war on the microphone and then bring you a fantastic match consisting of old school and more modern style. And to me, that's the connecting factor for all the fans, whether they be from my age bracket, whether they be from brackets before my time and the modern times. So I really hope that they do keep Ricky Starks in this, in this title picture because it is a damn good investment. Yeah. 100% 100% agree on that for sure. Um I think it was someone that brought up something really interesting the other day when I was uh when I was looking through Twitter and it's like I it's it's more along the lines of I think AEW in a sense probably will never be able to ever top WWE because it's the huge juggernaut of of this industry. But what it will be is I think it will be the top company in America for work rate. And will always be the top company for work, right? And again, you look at the roster, all of them up and down. That's a hell of a roster you have. Mm-hmm. So it's like with all of this and you have those two there kind of spearheading all of that. I hope in the very sense that AEW does kick itself out of this funk. Because let's be honest, 2022 has been one hell of a funk for, for this company. Um, yeah, and I really hope that they do end up going back to going back to that level that they were, where it was like you enjoyed watching Dynamite and Rampage and Dark. It's like everything that you could watch that was AEW. You're guaranteed to at least have one thing that you came out of it and went in. You know what? That was actually really good. Hmm. Absolutely. It's. Uh, I always say this for a company that is calling it itself all elite wrestling then every bit of that wrestling should be considered elite like 
I'm I'm not saying that you should put suddenly start putting over the the talent that is known as like comedic, but it should show a display enough to where, yeah, it could be a quick match, but you should still be able to display the talents that you have signed under contract and are paying money for. Mm-hmm. Like, you can rotate your talent because I'm sure a lot of the main roster people are just like, okay, I'd like to I I kind of like to take it easy today, which I thought they were going to do, yeah. but. Like you take Serpentico and and Luther whenever you know when he comes back, like you put them in the tag division and you show what they can do with their own style, and then you switch out for another tag team, or you go and switch out for another faction, or you go and switch out like someone for the TNT Championship. Like the TNT Championship, I feel should be more open to the to the whole undercard mm. of the event picture because they have so many great things. That's why when Hobbs was put in there, I'm like yes. Let's get Hobbs in there, show what he can do, and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. And so now that he's there, yeah, Joe is the double champion now. So if they want to, well, they're going to make him look like a killer, for mm-hmm. one. That's that's a given right there, because it's, it's Samoa Joe. Like, yep. that's all we know him as, he's a killer. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I think that there's a way to display that someone is an unstoppable force but at the same time, put over the talent without jobbing everyone out. Because that, to me, that's too much of, a, of an old-school mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone in this company, all elite wrestling, it, it really should show, like, holy shit, like, I really thought that they were going to win that. And not even the point of making the champion look weak, mm-hmm. but at the point where they're just like, they've gotten enough offense to where Joe is still choking them out after the bell rings or Joe is like putting them through like the muscle buster or anything else. Like it shows, it, it gives that type of gladiator type of display where you are watching these warriors battle. And then by the end of it, you know, the champion is still the champion, but at the same time, he'll still even look more monstrous than any of your standard bookings. But that's going to re- you know, require Mr. Khan to just, uh, give a little slack on the reins a little bit and let people do something else for the other bookings exactly exactly basically i'm all i'm saying to that is i'm looking forward to joe versus Takeshita for the tnt championship please <laughs> please yes it's gonna be a i'm really glad that Takeshita got actually got signed to them and is actually going to be making a more full-time commitment to them because there's a guy who has basically all the facets you need to be in, uh, to be a really legendary wrestler. Now it's going to take an American audience, I think, to a world or that well, a Western audience, I would dare say as well, to really kind of get behind him because as history has shown, that jump from Japan to to America doesn't work out so well for most people. I mean, even I would say, even though like Nakamura has probably been the most successful, it hasn't it hasn't been smooth sailing for Nakamura. <laughs> Uh, but hopefully i've got i'm holding out hope because the is actually so likable charismatic as all heck and he was in ddt so that's all you need to know (laughs) absolutely and with the way that they book things over in aw like giving you the matches that you want to see while at the same time not nerfing it so much because once nakamura got that match with styles at mania i'm like what the shit was this like (laughs) We knew what they could do when they did <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom, and then shenanigans. Yeah. Like, oh no! <laughs> 
Oh. But hey, he's enjoying the surfing, so as exactly. long as not happy, who gives a shit? You exactly. Know? Exactly. Alrighty. With that, let us get on to Survivor Series War Games. Gonna run through the card, give our predictions for this one. Thank goodness it's only five matches so far, uh, I think, from what I've, what I've seen. <laughs> so, for the United States Championship, it's a triple threat match as the champion, Seth Freaking Rollings, goes up against Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. This one, the build up for this one's been weird because. I feel like, in a sense, shouldn't it be more of like a four-way because Ali, Mustafa Ali, has also been involved in this as well? Like, it's a little weird how this has been built up, but for me, I think Seth's retaining. I actually see Bobby winning. I don't see Austin winning, but I could see, <laughs> I could see, a, I could foresee a scenario where Bobby wins. And it leads to Mustafa Ali attacking Bobby Lashley even more. <laughs> sure, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, wouldn't mind it. <laughs> well, who have you got, Dino, for that one? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and hope for Lashley to do it. I think Lashley is a uh, he's he's an incredible talent, and mm -hmm. <laughs> watching him just dominate stuff is just it's my favorite thing in the world to see. <laughs> Like I, I'm not a theory guy, um, and Seth I feel doesn't really need a title. Like he mm -hmm. can, he he's one of those workers who can really just have fantastic matches for the rest of his career without holding a title, and I'd be okay with that. Oh, so. mm. mm. nice, nice. So we have AJ Styles versus Finn Balor for who gets custody of the Bullet Club. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh god it's true though <laughs> uh, that's really what it is that's really what it is <laughs> uh by the way like the, the speaking like talking of finn balor and the judgment day did you too see dominic mysterio gate crashing uh the mysterio family thanksgiving no <laughs> i didn't oh sure that sounds incredible him and rhea ripley walk up to raise house and Ray's just like, you can't be here. I'm sorry, you can't be here. But it's Thanksgiving, Dad. And they proceed to beat the ever-loving crap out of Ray. <laughs> Guess what, though, Reardon? <laughs> Ray now has to have surgery six times on his left knee. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, not again. What I will say, though, Dominic looks so much like Eddie, especially with the mullet haircut. He is, like, he is channeling Eddie so much, and I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's gonna, he, well, it's got to be like your dad, you know. <laughs> I mean, hey, Faye, be kayfabe, right? <laughs> Damn, you're right. Um, I think for this one, I think it might be. I I'm leaning towards AJ for this match. I see that. I can see that. I'm actually not sure. I think AJ as well, actually. I think it. what's more interesting out of this one is just purely that Carl Anderson, Carl Anderson is still the Never Openweight Championship and will be defending it at Wrestle Kingdom next year. Huh. Wow. That's bizarre to me. <laughs> that whole situation involving Anderson. Like, it makes me laugh that, Reardon, me and you saw the Good Brothers and then two weeks later, they were on Raw. <laughs> So they were in Crystal Palace 
of all places, not two weeks before they ended up coming back to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> it's weird how life works, isn't it? What a it difference a day makes. <laughs> <laughs> so, the SmackDown Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi. I want Shotzi to win so badly because I've had enough of Ronda Rousey. Shotzi, Shotzi, Shotzi. I hope the tank does a run-in. Yes. Yeah. And but like Miss Elizabeth Macho Man at Mania style run-in. <laughs> oh, it's the tank again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Little Tank, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, why has Shotzi not done a crossover with Tank Girl? You Give know... It Give it time. <laughs> I wonder if Jamie Hewlett is a fan of professional wrestling. You think so, right? <laughs> I mean, that's definitely worth looking into. I was going to say, he and Damon Albarn, but they're not making gorilla stuff, are just talking about SmackDown. <laughs> No, 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 no. I don't. I don't see. I don't see Damon Albarn into being into wrestling. Jamie Hewitt. Yeah, I can see him being into wrestling. <laughs> I'd, I'd kill for a comic of of wrestling like style based on their style and of you know art and the writing like that. I think that'd be kind of cool. That would be neat. I, I would but, say that. I would watch that. I'll read that. I should say. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, it's going to be adapted. You know that's for sure. Yeah, that, so. that is true. That is true. So we're all in agreement. Shotzi's. We want Shotzi to win this one. Please, yep, absolutely. Please. <laughs> Thank Nightman goeth with that makeup that Ronda has, by the way. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's the men's war game match. We've got the brawling brutes, Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens versus the Bloodline. I like the build-up on SmackDown of Kevin Owens sowing the seeds of doubt, just throwing that into mm-hmm. and Sami Zayn, telling Sami Zayn, when are you going to turn on them? To which Jay was hearing what was in earshot of the conversation. So, uh-huh. nice little build-up again, you know. Kevin and Sami, they're destined to do this forever. Yep. <laughs> and Sami Zayn, wrestler of the year, had the best match of the year with Johnny Knoxville's in the War Games match. Isn't crazy we're getting we're actually getting war games in like like proper like main wwe very confusing very confusing no because we're so used to good ideas or fun stuff being shot down and so now we're gonna get fun stuff Uh, uh, we're gonna do my own thing (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it within 10 tons of solid steel But 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 Vince, it's, I I just wanted war game. We're gonna call it the Chamber. Yeah. Oh, no no stop. <laughs> I will make it seem like it was Eric's idea. Anyway, um, Bloodline. I reckon it's Bloodline. <laughs> I I can see it being Bloodline, but still with the suspicions with Sammy. Oh, like, with, without question. Yeah, like it's gonna be it's a it's a really close match because honestly, the only thing that the other team having to gain a victory for would be like the mistake of Sami Zayn mm-hmm. or anything else, and that really I mean either way it can progress it, but you can also progress it with the style of yes the bloodline is unstoppable, and the only thing that could really bring them down is from the inside, so. I mean, they already did that with the buildup of Sammy, like, you know, messing up and costing the match um, mm. on SmackDown. 
So, I mean, would they be able to do that again? I don't know. But maybe have it to where he kind of screws up again, but they recover it, and the suspicion or anything else about him grows. So, yeah, I, I agree. Mm. Bloodline Bloodline would be my pick for that. Mm. Mm. Do, you, do you really think that if if they're sowing the seeds for this, do you really think that they actually would make Sammy be the one to actually dethrone Roman? I don't think it's far-fetched. It's, um, it's, it's not out of the realms of possibility. And given that he's right now probably... My, I guess minus Roman as one of the most popular people in that company. Hmm. Well, yeah. m- minus him and probably Logan Paul. That feels weird saying that. <laughs> I, I refuse to say it. Go and continue. <laughs> um, yeah, it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. Because as we've said on previous episodes, Reardon, it really boils down to two possible people at this point. Cody and Dwayne. But now Sammy's a very real possibility of being one of them. Mm-hmm. My bet is still very much on Cody because as much as you hear WWE wanting, like really wanting Dwayne to be at that year, uh, next year's WrestleMania, there's a part of me that goes... I don't think it's... I, there's There's just a part of me. There's like a, an inkling that it may not actually come to fruition. Mm. And that leaves me to think that it might actually just be... It might be Cody at Mania. I... Either... You know what? Either, either one is likely, I'd say. <laughs> at this point. I would be shocked and surprised at all heck if we get Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania <laughs> and Sami wins. You- that would be, you know, we're in, we are officially in Bizarro World if that happened. <clears throat> actually, we're actually in the, the best form of the WWE. <laughs> in ring wise, yes. In, in some yeah. storytelling. Like, because a lot of the storytelling is still shit on there. Oh, I'll gosh, tell you that right yes. now. Yes. I just be, shit, I would just know. be. I'd just be so confused if that happened. <laughs> not, not even in a bad way, just a. This is actually happening. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. All right, final one: the women's war games match. We've got Team Bel Air, Bel Air, Bliss, Oscar, Yim, and Becky Lynch going up against Team Bailey, Damage Control, Cross, and Ripley. The build-up for this one's again. This has been another one where the build-up's been a little weird. I, I say a little weird. <laughs> kind of weird that build-ups kind of been here there and, and kind of been everywhere especially with the additions of yim and and ripley to to, to, to the fold um i've got team bel-air but i think it's going to set up something involving possibly becky lynch bailey and bianca mm. I mean, with the return of Becky happening, I definitely can see it being a a match with Bianca at Mania of some sort. But there's going to be some type of miscommunication or anything else. I don't know. It really just seems like the heel team winning is good for that event 
mm-hmm. but at the same time setting up something for the face team that re- involves conflict. So, because you don't really bring like unless they unless they want to go the typical route and just have Becky just clean house or just wreck shit up and they win a big match. But then like what would that have for them as far as you know wanting to go for a big title? Mm. I feel like you know I'm I'm a I'm a long form kind of guy, so mm. I definitely feel like if they were to have Becky to just come in and win the match, and there's no real like you know she should pose a threat. She should absolutely yeah. pose a threat because you know she's been gone for a while and she's hungry. She's ready to go, but I don't know. I feel like there could be something else there, but mm. I I still think that uh, my pick is the. Uh, is the the team with Io and and the, I call them the heel team, mind you. <laughs> I watch WWE in chunks now because I can't. Same like the story chunks so fucking bad on there. I just Same. I can't. It's so fucking bad. But you know it is what it is. They have their fan base. Not gonna shit on anybody who watches it. But I just I can't. After decades of giving that place a chance, I'm like, no, you need to you need to show me that you're doing better in everything. <laughs> so. <laughs> You need to prove it to me, goddammit! You need to prove it to me. Action, speak louder. I know that you have the people there. I know that he's gone, but you need to start doing something. So, get your shit together. Ah, <laughs> uh, what do you think, Raiden? I, I, I see Team Bella getting the win. I really do. Like I, like I, I'm very confident in that. <laughs> One thing I guarantee we will see is the Io Shirai garbage can spot. Because that yeah. thing was a thing of legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I believe that. <laughs> Alrighty, so with that, we are done with the news. Again, apologies to everyone listening for it being another long one, but hey-ho, is what happens when we do these predictions. <laughs> <laughs> so, recommendation corner, Reardon. What have you got for us, sir? Guys, how do you feel about what starts off with looking up a sound and turning into an odyssey that makes you almost cry? No, that makes you outright cry. I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of the lifeblood I live for in today's day and age. <laughs> oh well, then do I have a treat? <laughs> We've got a double whammy. Um, we've got like a double feature because for some reason these two YouTube masterpieces came out around the same time. <laughs> First, we have H Bomber Guy's oof sound, where he, where his journey into looking up to where the oof from Roblox came from turns into a Odyssey that devolves into the nature of lying. <laughs> and we have Defunct Lands, who, who created the Disney Channel sound, which is a two-hour masterpiece. Probably Defunct Lands' greatest work that cements him as one of the best documentarians on the site. I would, and I, I would say it was the magnum opus of YouTube, only to be bested by a certain Mr. Winwood doing an impression of Paul Heyman. Just <laughs> you, you like you joke, but like it is insane 
and legitimately a masterpiece that the end talks about the nature of our memory and makes you want to cry. Yes. <laughs> Which I still need to finish it because I'm like, oh god, I'm, I'm, I'm 39. I don't know. I could sit through two hours of talking. <laughs> yes. This. It like, is worth it. It is. Oh no, no, it. I'm enjoying it, but I'm just like, mm. no, I can't. I can't do this all right now. <laughs> all I'm saying is, screw my job for giving me dead, t- very tight deadline. <laughs> Because <laughs> it took, I don't know how I did it, but I managed to slog through it in a couple of sittings in between <clears throat> lunch breaks. Oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, with that, it is time to get on to the main portion of the episode. Oh, I'm so happy I get to say the Terry Funk retrospective. <laughs> For sure. So, gentlemen. What thoughts come up in mind when you hear the name Terry Funk? I'll start with Reardon. Like, Terry Funk is a man that's always been there, always will be there, and is just going to continue to be violent for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Dino, what thoughts yes. conjure up when you hear the name Terry Funk? I think of the man who defines professional wrestling, honestly, because he's done it all. He's done the classic style of you know, Texas brawling and grappling. He's done the hardcore extreme shit. He was one of the godfathers and pioneers of that. A man who could cut a promo on anyone and cut to the very core of them. A man who could make you hate him just as much as he can make you love him. A man who could be respectful and the deepest amount of disrespectful. A man who could teach everyone what they can do with the essentials of professional wrestling. Someone who I feel should be studied by anyone of any kind, more particularly those of who just like to fly and don't know how to work a microphone to sell that match. Uh, Terry Funk, to me, is the definition of crazy son of a bitch <laughs> while at the same time the lovable grandpa and you know it, it, it what can be said about it professional wrestling is not professional wrestling without the force known as one terry funk for me so. the quintessential wrestler mm-hmm. and i love him because when i first discovered terry he was that crazy old son of a bitch that was beating up lawler and screaming my eye my eye <laughs> <laughs> little did i know that, that there was so much that preceded terry's career so as we always like to do with these retrospectives let's always start right at the beginning which is always a very good place to start yes i will keep quoting the sound of music to the day i die <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> so terence funk was born in june 1944 in hammond indiana the son of Dorothy Culver and Dory Funk, who was then a professional wrestler and promoter. Following the end of the Second World War, the family relocated to Amarillo, Texas, where Terry and his brother, known as Dory, or Dory Jr. in a professional sense, grew up in the professional wrestling business. As a matter of fact, Dory was already well known at that time, and when he came to Texas, became an established name in that scene, actually setting up the Texas-based Western States sports promotion. And would you and would you believe it? 
Dory and Terry got the, got the bug of wrestling from their dad and proceeded to tr learn how to wrestle and eventually would end up debuting in their dad's promotion, which would then become known as NWA, Western States Wrestling. Funk would what start... Was... I'm sorry, what was the year? What was the year he debuted? 1965. <laughs> Dear God, <laughs> the Vietnam War was still all the rage. <laughs> so he's he debuted uh, on the gosh on the 9th of December, nineteen sixty-five, defeating Sputnik Monroe at the Sports Arena in Amarillo, Texas. Hmm. Apparently, a ten-minute ten match, according to CageMatch.net. <laughs> <laughs> but soon after, pretty much soon after that, he would quickly rise up in the tag ranks with his brother Dory Jr. And in signal matches, going up against people like Ernie Ladd, Hank James, Mike DiBiase, yes, Ted's dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was going to say, it just makes me go realise, wow, he actually faced the Million Dollar Man's dad. <laughs> he, he, he faced the... He faced the bottom dollar man. <laughs> the one penny chap. So. <laughs> also, as I was looking through some of the matches he had in his first year, I love that there was like a, a, a two-on-one handicap match where the Funk Brothers got defeated by Fritz Von Erich because it's Texas, despite the fact that this match took place in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> Texas personified in the ring. You don't, you don't, you don't promote it or put the show in Texas. What is up, NWA? What are you doing? <laughs> wait, NWA making weird and nonsensical decisions? Oh wait, that's a tale as old as time. Ah, <laughs> oh, moving on very quickly. <laughs> It was pretty much pretty much set in stone that those two would become mainstays and quite big money draws for Western states, and it became it became very true very quickly. And so this is where we get to championship wrestling from Florida now, because NWA was of course the national governing body for for wrestling across America. Guys could go here, there, and everywhere to different territories under the NWA banner. So. Terry would make his debut in the 70s for Championship Wrestling from Florida. And in 1975, Terry would defeat Jack Briscoe for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in Miami when former champion and his brother Dory failed to appear for that match. Of course, I went back and actually watched clips and bits and pieces of this match uh, just for research up to leading up to this point. And it's crazy how professional wrestling could learn a lot from the presentation of 70s got of 70s wrestling <laughs> yep <laughs> it's always say watch the tapes because they're there they're there to study and there's literally the, the things in the basics of what we consider the basics now that were done with such conviction and driving force back then so mm. go back and find those clips folks if you're listening if you want to get into pro wrestling you go back and you watch that I think a lot, so, a lot of things, are, when you go back to watch Terry, if you've only known Terry as being middle-aged and crazy, and you feel like he's, he came out of the womb middle-aged and crazy, 
<laughs> Which I wouldn't put it past you. I was like, it wouldn't surprise me if you thought that. The thing you will be always surprised with if you go back and watch Terry in the late 60s and 70s is just how incredibly technically proficient he is. Because he is... Oh, like the, ma- the couple of matches, or the few matches I watched around this time, Terry's going like hold for hold, slam for slam, submission hold to submission hold like like the best of the hearts I would dare say <laughs> he was yeah. so technically sound yeah I mean the, 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 that's the thing too is like watching Terry you know originally doing his insane deathmatch stuff and then going back and seeing like man this guy really does know how to like do it all because watching him and Dory whether they tag or go you know, singles uh, either against each other or against like you know Brody or Hansen in Japan or anything else like it's it's art <laughs> like I'm gonna put this man over as much as possible I mean I imagine that's why I was a guest yes. today on the show. Thank yes. you, I mean but, it definitely, like, was, it definitely wasn't because of the impression as well <laughs> well thank goodness uh, but yeah Terry Funk is, is he's a legend for a reason and watching him work like i i can't put it into enough words to describe how excellent it is like he whenever i see second or third generation wrestlers i'm like okay how good are they going to be as their name and to, the funk name is with terry on this one like terry mm-hmm. is just a fantastic wrestler and a fantastic entertainer a fantastic performer and so yeah, the, the, I still follow a lot of channels that have started uploading a lot of his classic stuff. And mm-hmm. so, like, if you folks want to see some really good, like, regular standard Terry Funk wrestling, just type in Terry Funk 70s. <laughs> and that's yeah. when you'll really see him shine as, like, this, the Texas Bronco. So, Just so good as well. One thing I, I just, again, watching, going through these matches... And something that I think he had his entire career. He's just a tremendous seller. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is no man that can like make like make it look like he is in absolute agony, quite like Terry Funk. I mean, half of that might be just method acting at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah later career yeah i don't yeah i don't think yeah that's proper like method. <laughs> terry funk is the daniel day lewis of wrestling so. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes i mean it's between him and foley right <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah because you see what when you have you have the daniel day lewis and then you have the uh like what the john malkovich of, of professional <laughs> yes. wrestling because it, it, when we get when we get to terry and, and foley working together like that that is another thing that i feel a lot of people should study as well because terry has the perspective of the veteran the man who has seen it all and done it all and he's having to adapt to the young man's world of insane extreme hardcore wrestling when he was there when the foundation of it was laid it's very no country for old men, if you really think about it. Mm. And then you have Cactus Jack, this 
this insane force of nature, a man who doesn't care about his body. As his WCW theme says, a long career is not expected. I'm like, well, first off, that's fucked up. But uh, (laughs) secondly, like, he's just completely telling these dark stories of him, how he's just, he's lost an ear. He's lost his teeth. He's had concussions and everything else, but he likes it. And he just continues to do all of these things. Like, the as... As glitchy as the King of the Deathmatch tournament is when we get to it, it really does tell a fantastic story leading to that main event. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, like, again, the selling of Terry Funk shows, like, clearly, I mean, he's a boy from Texas, and he's a wrestler uh, from a wrestling family, so I'm sure he's gotten into his share of actual brawling. And so it's like he remembers in the moment, oh, I got, I got cracked in the head with a bottle or this guy punched the hell out of my face i remember trying to punch him as i was falling down i'm gonna do that in this match i'm gonna do that for you (laughs) oh wow thanks thanks mr funk call me terry he always says oh Oh, thank you dino <laughs> and so this would begin uh, after the win from uh, Jack Briscoe. This began a huge 14 month reign for the title where he would defend it once again against Jack Briscoe. But other people, such as Dusty Rhodes, Carlos Roja, Giant Barber, and Pat O'Connor, to name just a few. It was also during this time in the 70s that he would debut for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, the first documented match that Terry had. I could not believe the bill the, the, for this match. So Terry Funk debuted in All Japan in a best two out of three falls tag match, teaming with Bruno Sammartino to take on Giant Barber and Thunder Sugiyama. Wow! Wow! Bruno and Terry won, by the way. Well, naturally, yeah, because even japan recognized uh these are really really big stars over there so and here was me with barbara in the match thinking that he would book it to be a time limit draw (laughs) right because baba loved him some time limit draws holy shit (laughs) so in addition i can't tell you the numerous amount of times i look for a match to when i do cardio i'm just like all right let's watch the let's watch the all japan match oh my god this match happened hell yeah let's check it out a time limit draw or a count out? What the shit? Like, just really upset. To peel the curtain happen. back just a little bit when me and Joseph, when we're preparing stuff for walking the King's Road, this is a little thing here, you will not believe the the, the, the times we message each other going, what, another time limit draw? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, to everyone saying, 95 is coming. Just... Keep an ear and an eye out for when we do eventually get to start doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, the 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 14-month reign would end in Toronto, where he was defeated by handsome Harley Race, who had earlier beaten Dory Jr. for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship before losing it to Jack Briscoe. So it was a weird thing where it's like the, 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 the NWA World Championship kind of hot potatoed for a little bit there. Mm. By the way, just sort of was recently just watching a two out of three falls match as well between Harley Race and Terry Funk. Ah, oh, if you could see, if you find it on YouTube, ah, oh, such a good match. <laughs> also, may I just say, spinning Toho hold. What an underrated submission move. Absolutely, absolutely, and one of my favorite submissions as well, next to the Texas Cloverleaf. 
Um, but the spinning toehold is just a fantastic, fantastic submission finisher. Mm. Yes. Yes. This brings us to 1981, where Terry would make an excursion to Memphis, Tennessee, to the Continental Wrestling Association. And he would feud with none other than the King of Memphis himself. Elf oh, no, wait, no, sorry, I got that wrong. It's Jerry Lawler, sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say, if it were Elvis, I would have gone, Lord have mercy. What? And then swallowed my microphone. We got perfect. <laughs> Sorry, weird. And there's a second guy here now that goes, that, oh, that starts quoting that. It's so like, this like, they... not like the greatest piece of archive footage ever uncovered. It's like, weird. It's like you cloned yourself, Sam. <laughs> Oh no! I'm older than Sam, so if anything, I cloned myself. So, <laughs> oh god, this much, is, this much is absolutely true. Except, except, yeah, I, 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 the clone developed an English accent. As, as all, as all true origin stories of villains uh, occur. <laughs> yeah, I did, I, you know, that's mainly the the raising of my auntie. She was really obsessed with like England and everything else. So that's how I got my education. So. Ah, so you just oodled a couple of ounces of like little sick, little, little red dwarf here, a little spaced here, bingo. Well, that was mainly just uh, through interest. Like she was a, she was all about the British invasion and stuff like that, and mm. she showed me like literally every bit of music and film and whatnot. So I'm like, I like the way they talk. So <laughs> I just dove into it go. more and more. There we go. It's always, it's it's always, the, it's always the accent, isn't it, Reardon? It's always the accent. It always is. <laughs> Even though we've got two of the, like, we've got what's known as the estuary accent, which is where where we're right by the River Thames, but not necessarily in London. Ah. So it's just like it's it's such a hodgepodge of, of London, and sort of Essex, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> It, my accent's weird. Some people say I sound American, and then some people say, say I sound Australian, so... <laughs> Do they not know dialects? Probably not, but, you know... <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> anyway... Like, how, do say, how do you say car? Like, to me, that's the deciding factor. Car. No, no, no. Car. Oh, God. <laughs> car. So... <laughs> I might say need a car. For some reason, I'm starting to be scouts. Anyway, shall I shall I quickly I get back say. to where we were? <laughs> get back yeah. to what we were talking about. Yeah. So this leads to the infamous April 1981 match at the Mid South Coliseum, the empty arena match between Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler. The only people that were there in the arena was announcer, uh, was commentator Lance Russell, one cameraman, and one photographer. Funk had challenged Jerry Lawler to this match because he felt he was getting unfairly treated in Memphis. Now, if you've not seen this match, just be prepared. This was like, feel that this is the nexus point of what would become hardcore wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> this confrontation only lasted just a mere few minutes, but boy, did its legacy just live on forever. <laughs> What I love about this is that it ended infamously with Terry trying to gouge Jerry Lawler's eye out with a broken 2x4. <laughs> but Lawler would end up kicking Funk's elbow, which then caused 
Terry to hit himself in the eye. And of course, we now live with Terry's very famous selling of my eye, my eye. Actually, no, can you do it, Dino? Because I can't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So yeah, he kicks the elbow and says, my eye, my eye, Lawler. Ah, like That's just screaming one. his head off and everything. That's <laughs> the one. Great. That's the good shit. So, Ridden, all I, all I will say is, even though it, it lasts a few minutes, if you've not seen it, highly recommend it. Because it's just one of those matches that, as I said, even though it doesn't very last very long, you can go look at it and go, oh, so that's where hardcore wrestling came from. I see. I see. <laughs> so, let's fast forward a little bit of time. Terry and Dory Jr. making regular excursions to All Japan Pro Wrestling. They would end up going up against The Sheik and Abdullah the Butcher a few times in Tokyo, which would see them turn from heels into baby faces and then later into bloody cultural icons in Japan. <laughs> and would go on into having memorable feuds with Stan Hansen, Bruce Brody, Giant Barber. Basically, for the early 80s for All Japan Pro Wrestling, it pretty much was Terry's domain. <laughs> Naturally. He he was a bloody legend in all Japan. This brings us to the WWF. Oh After a little brief run in the AWA in 1985, Terry Funk would make his debut for the promotion based over in New York. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy when I think about this. <laughs> In his televised <laughs> debut on WWF Championship Wrestling, he not only beat Aldo Marino, but he also beat on ring announcer Mel Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> Terry would attack the, announce, uh, the announcer after he made the mistake of putting on Funk's cowboy hats. You don't touch a man's hat. That's, that's, that's a given. I'm still, I'm still hearing howdy scream nightmares and terrors into the night, crying for his hat. Uh, I will say, I will say, karma cut, karma gets to the best of people. So yeah, all I'm saying he was is, a lot he was, I was gonna say, how much was he smiling in glee about what happened to to poor negative one? Well, he he definitely tweeted about it, um, <laughs> just with his gift, because he's one of the few managers who has his own set of gifts. Yeah, but. He just kept saying, haha, that's a good one. And then just, I hear his, ugh, his creepy little giggle every time. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're on the laptop. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask. I already know what it is. But I digress. Let's let Terry Funk proving that you don't spit on Superman's cape. You don't touch another man's hat. And yeah, they found out. <laughs> they found out in New York City. <laughs> So also, Funk also had the gimmick of carrying a branding iron with him to ringside as well to brand his fallen opponents. This was also, I think, the first time he was being billed from the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, if memory serves me correct. All right, yeah. Um, if you've not seen it, there's a Tuesday Night Titans segment on, um, on YouTube of Terry Funk at a bar with Lord Alfred Hayes and Vince McMahon. <laughs> It's amazing, and I love it so much. And he's wearing white cowboy boots as well. <laughs> I'm just like they weren't his. They weren't his weird sneaker ones that he have. You've seen those, right? Yes, I the weird. Oh, the weird sneaker. Ones. 
I like those are the ugliest things I've ever seen. But only Terry could really pull those things off. So exactly. It's okay. Uh, of course, so this this attack on the ring announcer would lead to a feud with Junkyard Dog, of all people. <laughs> That's one way to start your career. May I just say as well, at this little time as well, um, I believe... Was it... No, was it a little later for Terry? No, it was... It's just a little bit later, but I'll get to that in a moment. So... Shortly after this, though, Dory would end up making his appearance in the WWF, calling himself Hoss Funk. <laughs> oh God! And had no, a cave, and they, and both of them had a had a storyline brother named Jimmy Jack Funk, played by Ferrin Barr yeah. Junior. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. They so the Funks in the WWF. Right, I'm gonna give this one to Reardon because I'm pretty sure that Dino knows this one. They had ended up having a manager. Can you tell me, in the mid-1980s in WWF, who were the Funk's manager? Got to be the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, right? He's got it. There it is. <laughs> there it is. So, with this rivalry with the Junkyard Dog, Terry and Dory again known as Hoss Funk, would, uh, would team up to take on Tito Santana and Junkyard Dog at WrestleMania 2 in a winning effort. This, though, this match caught the eye of Vince, so much so that he would book Terry to have a series of WWF title matches against Hulk Hogan. Oh... There's... I believe there are actually a couple as well that are on YouTube of those matches, and... What I will say, I love the fact that Terry didn't hold his punches. <laughs> nope, absolutely nope. not. <laughs> he was, he was, he was not given a single inch to Hulk Hogan in any way, shape, or form. And what I will say is, just makes me love Terry Funk even more. Love <laughs> <laughs> you, Terry. <laughs> so it would Funk would end up unceremoniously kind of leaving the WWF in April of 1986 to not much fanfare. This would lead us to his little stint in World Championship Wrestling in 1989. But not before we talk about his appearance in Roadhouse. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Of the same year, of course, he appeared as the bouncer in the movie Road Roadhouse starring Patrick Swayze. Have you seen Roadhouse, Reardon? No, I haven't, actually. Oh, you need to change that. <laughs> it's like one of the most like unexpected, underrated action films you will ever see. Like it's because it, for the like when you go to watch it, you think you don't think too much of it. Then you get into it and you start to realize, actually, yeah, this is a really good freaking action film. And oh my god, is that Terry? F oh my god, that's Terry Funk. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Which, by the way, looking jacked compared he, to all the other people in that film that are supposed to be tough. He is like, ginormous. Like, <laughs> like Keith David's in this film, Reardon. And Terry Fox still looks ginormous when compared to oh. Keith David. Oh my god. Yeah, it's wild, man. <laughs> it's just such a good film. Such such a good film. Also, I just say, just if, why not? Because we're here already. I'm going to talk about a couple of little things that he's been doing, what that he did within 
within the movie, uh, within the film industry. Did you know, yeah. Reardon, that Terry Funk choreographed the final fight in Rocky Five between uh, between Rocky Balboa, the street fight that is between Rocky and Tommy? You what? Yep. Right. Yep. That's the best part of that fucking movie, too, by the way. That movie was terrible, but that fight... Hey, okay, was... okay. I'm. You know what? I'm going to say this now, because uh, I know we're going off topic, but I'm going to say this now. Having seen almost all of the Rocky... Almost all of the Rocky movies... I'm waiting for Creed 3, obviously, like everyone else. Yeah. Rocky 4 is the worst one. Rocky 4 is the oh. worst one. I'm Ooh. sorry. It is the worst one. I have seen all of them. I watched all of them with my dad. Rocky Four is the one that I it is the one I like. The, it's the worst one. It's the worst one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You you guys are so hyped up on your Ivan Drago nonsense, and then Cree Two slightly, only slightly, makes it tolerable. That you have. I feel like I'm going insane when people say Rocky Five is the worst one. Nah. Yeah. No, it's four. Four is the no, worst five, one. Five is shit. The soundtrack is terrible. Uh, Rocky is ridiculous in that film. And no, 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 no. But yeah. here's the thing. No, no. Here's the thing. I'm so, I'm sorry, Sam. I, I can't. I can't Holy, let this go. Holy bets all the money away on him, but yet he gave that inspirational talk to, to Rocky while going out. Makes no sense. Completely retconned it. That's poorly. That so is poorly. Listen, look, look. Rocky, Rocky Four is the Rocky that makes him that makes him outright superhuman. That is the one. That is the well, one. Yeah, because that is complete like Reaganism right there. That's yeah. That's yeah. Undeniable. I'm, I'm a yeah. Undeniable. I'm, I'm gonna, to me, I'm, that is the I'm, one major flaw of that film. No, that's However, the flaw. That, that's the flaw that sinks that movie. It sinks the movie. Not sink. Not sink. Because, legitimately, Rocky doesn't do all the high-tech and steroid shooting stuff. He goes back to the roots. He uses the, the, the farmhouse and everything else to go through those classic training techniques. While at the same time, blasting the greatest and most inspirational soundtrack of all time. People talk about Eye of the Tiger. I don't give a shit about Eye of the Tiger. Okay, Burning Heart is the superior Survivor track, by the way. God. And then you have the training montage. One of four, mind you. <laughs> One of yeah, four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four montages. Yeah, four because montages. that's showing you that the stakes are high in this oh, film. Oh, not to Drago because that, Drago killed his best friend that in movie. the ring. That movie would have been half an hour without the montages. The drama of Rocky Five. I'm gonna train this kid, yo. He's a good kid. All of a sudden, the kid gets taken away by the the the, the diet Don King. All of a sudden, touch me and that's not suit. even. It's not even fully shown the betrayal of it. It's brushed over. There is no real emotional investment in it. And then all of a sudden, we're brought back the final performance of Burgess Meredith. It's just randomly get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. They couldn't do that in like part four. So no. literally no. part five retcons a lot of the stuff that was already built up from one through four. That is why nah. it is the worst thing ever. Nah. And it's a street <laughs> fight. It's not even a real fight. It's a badass street fight. And you know what? Th to me, that's literally just a Stallone film. It's not even a Rocky film. 
It's a Stallone. Oh, no, I like how no, the, no, I like no. how the, uh, the 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 poster, the promotional poster for Rocky Five, is basically just Sylvester in a pose going, "Hey, I solved up." <laughs> Nah, 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 nah. Rocky, Rocky gives Paul Lee a robot. Nah, I'm not yeah. having it. It's the yeah. worst one. Because he was rich I... enough to do it. He had a golf cart in his damn house in Rocky Three. You know what? Move, move on before I go to California and I have an active fight with this man. God damn it. Give oh it my God. I swear. Hey, you knock that movie down. Why don't you try knocking me down? I will. I will. Hey, don't Jaden. Part, part, the pair of you, part. Continue. May I just say, bury him now. (laughs) You think I'm scared of you? (laughs) So, would you believe that Terry? Blood. I want you, and I want blood. (laughs) Oh, look who it is. (laughs) I don't know who is it. Old timey (laughs) vaudeville performer. (laughs) I have no idea at this point. Oh, That's okay. The guy who's saying something in my front pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god dang it! But after all that, we digress. We, di- we digress. <laughs> you know what? Put that as a bonus for like subscribers to your podcast. Hey, listen to this long <laughs> argument about Rocky Four and Five. Oh no, we got that needs to be that needs to be seen and heard by everyone. I'm keeping that. Oh in. my gosh! <laughs> so. Terry Funk's other movie credits include <laughs> other Stallone classics such as Paradise Alley and Over the great Top. Film. Another great film. <laughs> this right. would end up actually striking up a very close friendship between Terry and Sly. So there you go. A little fun fact for you if you didn't yeah. know that. Also, yeah. he appeared yeah. in the classic... He appeared in the... I'll do the fight scene. I can't believe this, that he actually, uh, although it doesn't surprise me that he appeared in two Barry Blaustein films. The first one, of course, was Beyond the Mat, the very famous one, of course, being Beyond the Mat. And the second one was The Ringer, starring Johnny Knoxville. Oh, I didn't see The Ringer. (laughs) Yeah, it was also two cameo appearances by Funk and Jesse Ventura, of all people. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I need the money. Yeah. Yes, you You did make it. You know what? That's That's a point, actually. Has Terry Funk ever been on Jackass? Unfortunately, no. not. Yes, that's. Not. Believe oh, me, that's. I would be talking up that shit forever, forever. <laughs> if he that forever. is. That is an oversight. My God, really is. May I also just say, whilst we're here talking about uh, other other ventures that he also had, Terry Funk also had a short but sweet career in music, releasing an album exclusive to Japan known as Great Texan in 1984. Now, this thing is a bloody thing of beauty. It sure is. (laughs) Some of my favourite Favourite tracks include, of course, the, 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 the title track, Great Texan, Barbara Streisand's Nose. Barbara Streisand's Nose. <laughs> I Hate School. <laughs> but I love rock and roll. <laughs> and, of course, his, 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 his sweetheart song, Rapongi. This, this is a country album, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, yeah. I, I was, because I was one, I was very, like... If if he had pulled out a city pop album, I would have listened to that immediately. Rapongi is a city pop song. Oh, I have to question. listen to that. I, you have to send that to me. I, I will. Want to hear the, I want to hear the city pop. 
So, I will. Uh, so, little little fun story, a uh, little fun quote I will take from uh, Terry's autobiography about this. <clears throat> and I quote, Jimmy Hart wrote the songs for me because I was too cheap to pay for the rights to the songs that people had already heard. All the songs in that album had one thing in common. They all sucked. One of them was called I Hate School. Can you imagine? Who in the hell would think it would be a good idea to have a 35-year-old man singing I Hate School? <laughs> <laughs> and some of those songs were recycled because Lance Russell's knows. Uh, yes. I think, yeah. They that was were. that was the the original song. So. Oh gosh, I love it. Okay, so back to where we were. WCW. He would debut in 1989 to become part of the JTEX Corporation, also yes. known as Gary Hart International, for those who wanted us an extra brownie Ooh. point there. He would begin quickly feuding with Rick, with Ric Flair, who had just defeated Ricky Steamboat at Wrestle War for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Funk, who was one of the three judges for that main event, would challenge Flair for a title match. Flair would refuse, saying that Funk was spending too much time in Hollywood instead of focusing on wrestling. Terry Funk, to quote Michael Jordan, saw that and took that as an offence by pile-driving him to the through the ringside table. And may hell I just yeah. say, holy crap, that was one hell of a pile-driver that Funk put on Flair. <laughs> <laughs> he dumped him on his head. Of course. Gotta make that platinum blonde red. <laughs> So this would take Flair out of action until the Great American Bash, where he would end up facing Funk and winning the match by reversing a small package into one of his own. But then that would, of course, be, he would end up being attacked by Gary Hart and the Great Muta. Oh, Sting is. would come to, to the aid for Flair and the two would brawl with Funk and Muta to close the show. Isn't it crazy uh, with those four people there? Two of them are still wrestling, and two of them are going to be in the retirement match for one of them. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, I'm looking forward to seeing that retirement match for Great Muta with Sting there as well. <laughs> <laughs> It'll definitely be better than Flair's retirement match. So that's, that's... Well, the recent recent retirement match. Oh, that thing was um that 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 was I think and I quote from myself from when I saw that that was a match. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I'm sorry, no, it was more of a heart attack than it was a match, actually. Perfect. <laughs> Ooh. This, Ooh. <laughs> this would then see uh, Funk and Flair having an I Quit match at Clash of the Champions 9. Flair would win the match after getting Funk to yell I Quit when he put on the figure for Leglock. Now, this match is awesome. So much so, it even received a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. Also, may I just add as well, I forgot, there was a part of this feud in the build-up of this where Terry Funk actually used a plastic bag to suffocate Flair. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my god. Not a gimmick yeah, plastic bag. It was an actual plastic bag. Oh my god. <laughs> Middle-aged and crazy. Reared and crazy like That's a fox. Me. Yeah. Coming out to Ennio Morricone. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. Man with the harmonica. That was his theme song. And it was it's so badass seeing him come through the smoke with that. <sighs> 
Soon after that, though, that feud with Flair, he would end up becoming a color commentator and then a host of his own talk show known as Funk's Grill, where he would become tuxedo-clad and would interview stars of WCW both face and heel. And it was soon after this, though, that they, they, they got rid of him, which is a shame. Because <laughs> Terry Funk and WCW, if you've seen it, that feud with Flair was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah. awesome. Okay. This leads us, of course, to Eastern slash Extreme Championship Wrestling. <laughs> Huzzah. Here we go. So, Funk's getting on a little in his years and decides to change up his style, going from a traditional Southern style of wrestling with his technical prowess to going to a much more violent style of hardcore wrestling. <laughs> oh, boy. So... One of the most notable <laughs> matches, one of his first notable matches, was on July 16th, 1993, where Terry and Dory Jr. lost a barbed wire match against the public enemy. <laughs> Read that result again. <laughs> Terry Funk, uh, Terry and Dory lost a barbed wire match against the public enemy. <laughs> <sighs> the funks are professionals. That's I will definitely just say that. But they're not waving That's... their hands around in the air like they just don't care. Well, we're not the hot stepper murderer. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! So this would see Funk maintaining a regular schedule of wrestling for ECW in its early days, as I believe in his own kind of um, words wanted to help the fledgling promotion. To kind of gain like traction, gain some legs in its in its early years, especially under the um the leadership of one Paul Heyman. But also, this would see Terry Funk making more excursions to Japan, and this leads me, gentlemen, to IWA Japan and the King of the Deathmatch Tournament. <laughs> oh. August 20th, yes. 1995 in Kawasaki, Funk would take part in the one-day King of the Deathmatch tournament. Reardon, you've heard about this match. You've heard it murmured, I imagine, here and there. But have you seen the whole thing? I have not, as it happens. Okay. Dino, I will give you the honours of kind of describing the King of the Death... Uh, this, this certain tournament. Okay. <laughs> So the IWA King of the Deathmatch tournament was literally a display of, I want to say the the most recognizable names, but it, it the, the mixture of combatants in this tournament really have you question like, okay, were were these the top talents of Deathmatch or were they just available and like, yeah, we'll take the extra payday, because Terry Bam Bam Gordy is yes. in this tournament. It's it, um, no 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 no. Bloody violent match with Cactus Jack, may I add? Yes, a spot that involves stomping Cactus Jack's face in a pit of thumbtacks. Oh, okay. it's brutal because they had a close up of it, and yeah. then you just see him boom stomp on his face. I'm like, oh no, like literally <laughs> just losing my mind. Um, but yeah, a first round elimination, obviously, for, for Terry Gordy having one of the best. Uh, post-match interviews where he just goes, fuck, <laughs> shit, <sighs> fuck. And then he closes the door. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's his whole post-death post match promo. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, this tournament consisted of, let's see, uh, what is that, 97? Oh, that's a different one. Okay, I need the 95. Where is it? Oh, I've got it. I've so got I it. I want to make sure I have Oh, you got it up? So, yes, it had Mr. Ganasuke, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh, which always surprises me when I, when I look back at this. That guy's etching in history is so weird to me. But so yeah. weird. <laughs> the aforementioned Terry Funk. Leatherface, which literally was Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Reardon. Like, yep. Japan had a quite the penchant for taking horror film characters and making them into wrestlers. Ah, oh, boy. Like, there it's was great. Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. It wasn't just Fire uh, Pro. Creeper. It wasn't just Fire Pro where you could do it. Japan was really doing it in real life. Crip the Keeper, Jason the Terrible, Nightmare yep. Freddy. Yeah, um, it was it's fantastic. <laughs> I love it so much. Of course, Cactus Chat Jack and Terry Gordy, Hiroshi Ono, and Shoji Nakamaki. Uh, fun fact of this: in this card, we also had Dan Seven defending or uh, defeating Tarzan Goto for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I completely forget that Dan Seven was on this card. Yep, it was it was a very <laughs> mixed bag of an evening, but they stacked the card high. Hi, they did. So, with each subsequent match uh, in in the King of the Deathmatch tournament, Reardon, each match was a different stipulation. So, I believe for the like for the first matches, they were barbed wire, board, and chain matches, and then the the other matches were barbed wire, baseball bat, and thumbtack matches. The semi-finals were barbed wire, board, and glass, and barbed wire, board, and spike nail, respectively, and in the final. Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk in a barbed wire roped, exploding barbed wire boards and exploding ring time bomb deathmatch. Basically, Ringo Boom. Okay. <laughs> now, I love this match for a whole multitude of reasons. A, it's insane, this final. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> and Jack and Terry, both there absolutely wailing on each other, exploding onto boards that are filled with C4. <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact about this, I believe this was the tournament where Mick Foley had singed the skin off of his arm from one certain explosion and hid it uh, from yeah. the airport and from his wife and kids until I think the second day he was back in America. <laughs> yes. Wow, man. Um, and this would see, of course, Cactus Jack defeating Terry Funk for the King of the Deathmatch Tournament and, of course, becoming the King. <laughs> but was it worth it, Mick? Was it really <laughs> after all of that? <laughs> so, this match, for my my goblin brain that does like violence, is I, I, I love this match. I love this match so much because it's so iconic for some of the spots that happened here. Of course, the ex the exploding boards, the barbed wire rope moments. Of course, the exploding ring time stipulation there as well that was made so famous, or dare I say infamous, by one at Sushi Onita in FMW. Oh, I can't say any more about this match. It's If you can find it, I recommend it, even if you're not the biggest fan of, of hardcore slash deathmatch. I think mostly because of just the two people that are in there that kind of that it sells it, I think, more for people that are not inclined to the hardcore style of wrestling. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh I mean it, it did. It had the the start of that type of style and then the future of that style colliding in the main event and watching them go through all these other competitors who were known for that style or being a lot tougher than most others. And yeah, I mean if you if you know the history of both these competitors, this match is a main event. This match is the finals for the King of the Deathmatch battling of that throne. And the story that it tells, even after, like, the promo work for Foley in that one is fantastic. Like, because he was out there to prove his name and everything else, even though he had a reputation. But in a way, a lot of, in a way, a shadow of Terry Funk. He's just living in that shadow because he was a wrestler in world championship wrestling he would do the the standard style but then he started adapting to the more violent hardcore and like i i can't recommend it enough for folks to go back and watch those promos from the iwa king of the death match pre and post yeah. as well as the match itself because it is a fantastic story to be told it makes me laugh that when he adapted to the more to this style of wrestling that's when he decided that you know what maybe i should learn how to do a moonsault <laughs> well i'm already you know diving into unknown waters might as well go for the gusto and throw my ass backwards at people <laughs> and hopefully hit them but if i hit the guardrail that's all right too i still so can't watch be it today. so be it <laughs> So Funk would further elevate when he was back in ECW, the company, by headlining their very first pay-per-view, Barely Legal, from April 1997, defeating Raven to become the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Earlier that night, though, he would defeat Sandman and Stevie Richards in a triple threat match, earning him the title opportunity with Raven. Now, if memory serves me correct, I think this might be the match where... Terry Funk accidentally, might I add, I believe broke Stephen Stevie Richards' neck with a ladder spot. Jesus Christ! Oh, and that's the reason why Stevie has that raspy voice, because his voice oh, box got ruined as well during that. Because if you see promos with Stevie before this, Stevie actually has quite a nice, clear voice. Oh no! Oh my God! Yeah. It's so bad. But it was, I think, from what I've heard, it was complete, utter miscommunication. The heat, adrenaline of the moment. Yeah. And it just so happened that Stevie caught the ladder in the, in on, right into the, in, right in the throat. So, anyway. <laughs> Funk would go on to defend the title in belts. Uh, chapter 2 uh, held uh, the Buffalo Invasion at Wrestlepalooza and ECW Heatwave. He was eventually defeated by Sabu in the infamous barbed wire match at Born to be Wired in August 97. Oh. This, oh god. Now, if anyone knows this match for a few reasons, I believe that at one point Funk had a, Terry had a flamed, an on fire brand that he was trying to brand Sabu with. But also. This is the match where Sabu tore his bicep to shreds. Like, legitimately. Not, not figuratively, like, literally. Shredded it open with the barbed wire. So much so, and I think his Sabu's, his Sabu's reaction was, get me tape. Yep, get me tape. Because he had to finish the match, and they show him tape up his arm. 
It is so I, Now, gross. the network version, I believe, has seriously cut a lot of it. Because who wants to see mm. someone's bicep muscle hanging out of their arm? Just Hello. gross. No, no, so no, no, no. You can no. watch it in its entirety on Daily Motion, I believe. Oh. <laughs> Ah, anyway, um, yeah, the match continued and Sabu ended up winning. How? I have no idea. Um, this well, ended well up... they got tangled up into the barbed wire and they kind of just rolled. No, the barbed wire <laughs> off of them because they were so tangled. And I'm not exaggerating. They were. They are yeah. literally a ball of human flesh and and barbed wire. You'd swear it was a fucking. A toy of Clyde As Barker. I said, I I'm a goblin when it comes to violence, but even then, that match still makes me go, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> this, though, would seem to happen that coincide with Terry Funk seemingly looking to wind down his career once more, as it was seeming that he would end up having a big retirement uh, spectacle. And in September, a show was held in Funk's hometown of Amarillo, and it was called Terry Funk's WrestleFest, not to be confused by WWF WrestleFest, which is a great game in the arcades. <laughs> yes. This was both his own show and a celebration of the careers of Terry, his father, and Dory Jr. Now, what's really well known and kind of really cool about this event, this is 97, Reardon. Vince gave the all clear to Bret Hart to be able to go to that match and be in the main event against Terry Funk. What the hell? That's fake. I... Vince doesn't do that. That's <laughs> fake. That's It's nuts, isn't it? It's so, so nuts. He was replaced by a pod person in that exact moment. <laughs> what makes me laugh is the rest of this card. So in WrestleFest, we had Wing Kanemura versus Roadkill. Taz versus Chris Candido for the television championship. <laughs> we had the Young Bloods against the Bushwhackers. <laughs> Balls Mahoney versus Bubba Ray Dudley. Dory Funk Jr. defeating Rob Van Dam. <laughs> Mankind versus Sabu. And we had Hakushi, Hayabusa, and Masato Tanaka going up against the Headhunters and Jake Roberts. Yep. It's an insane match. <laughs> I love this card so much. <laughs> <laughs> and it still blows my mind in 97. He gave the WWF champion at that time the freedom to go and wrestle Terry Funk. Although saying that... I can imagine this is 97. We are two months away from Survivor Series, and pretty much I think Vince was pretty certain, dead set, of getting Brett out of the company. That's actually a good point. <laughs> uh, what does he have to lose at that point? Yeah. So, before that match, though, that main event match, this is something that makes me laugh so much, and it makes you go, yeah, that makes sense. Paul Heyman would present Terry Funk with a lifetime ECW World Heavyweight Championship belt. It was paid for for a collection taken up by the roster. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Uh, ECW just never changed, did it? 
Oh. It started as it ended. Cheap as fuck. <laughs> you gotta. Re- I I I feel like you've gotta kind of. Do you have to respect Paul Heyman's hustle for being just a uh, just a bis- like the most shield businessman? <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, Terry Funk's retirement. How think? How long do you think it lasted? I'm gonna say a year. Eleven days. <laughs> <laughs> After having a match against Anita at FMW, and in a, l- a couple of matches here and there in the Indies and in, in in America, Terry Funk would re-sign with WWF, debuting as Cactus Jack's right-hand man, the masked Chainsaw Charlie. <laughs> Which, by the way, they put. Terry Funk in a box. He 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 chainsawed himself out of there, and they put they put tights over his head and threw talcum powder on it to make sure that that's definitely not Terry Funk. <laughs> Although that being said, everyone in the audience knew it was Terry Funk, and soon it was they had no choice but to acknowledge that it was actually Terry Funk. <laughs> But this did give us, at WrestleMania 14, the dumpster match between Chainsaw Char- with Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack versus the New Age Outlaws. And this would see Terry Funk win and capture the WWF Tag Team t- Championship. <laughs> oh, I love it so much! <laughs> and yet the biggest high career highlight for one road dog Jesse James. So <laughs> who apparently is better than Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Road Dog wrestled Terry Funk at WrestleFest. <laughs> remember when, when Road Dog went 60 minutes with Shawn Michaels? Do you remember when Terry Funk was the guy that was actually singing Jeff Jarrett's theme? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So they would quickly uh, drop the titles back to the Outlaws in a pretty violent steel cage match on an episode of Raw, mm-hmm. and this and soon enough he would Terry Funk would become would come back as Terry Funk, forming a tag team with Two Cold Scorpio. Okay, I would have loved this if they called themselves the Funks and Flash Funk was actually related to Terry. I would have loved to have yeah. seen that, and it would have made so much sense considering who was booking it. It was, Vin- it was Vince Russo. <laughs> wow. Though they would gain, gain victories against the Quebecers and the Midnight Express, so short-lived, but not a bad tag team. So this leads to a May 4th episode of Raw, where Mick Foley and Terry Funk would have a Fool's Count Anywhere match. And boy, yes, it is everything you think it is in that one sentence. (laughs) Terry Funk would end up being defeated by Mark Henry in a King of the Ring qualifying match in 1998. That is also on YouTube, and I recommend watching it. He would form a short-lived tag team with Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who was just coming off, I believe, from his uh, the new Black Jacks uh, era with uh, with Barry Windham. Defeat again, not very long. They would end up defeating the team of Too Much on a, in a on an episode of Shotgun Saturday Night, and then at Fully Loaded in Your House, Funk and Bradshaw would be defeated by Farouk and Scorpio, with Bradshaw attacking Funk after the match. This would also see Bradshaw and Farouk become the Acolytes. 
And so would C-Funk actually have his final match in the company and would once again retire from wrestling. Until he returned to ECW in 1998 at November to Remember. <laughs> where Terry was believed to have been Tommy Dream as mystery partner against Justin Incredible and Jack Victory. However, the mystery partner turned out to be Jake the Snake Roberts. Pissed at this injustice, Terry decided to attack Tommy at every opportunity he could during late 98 and 1999. <laughs> shame, uh, it's a shame is that Terry couldn't actually see through this as he came down ill before they could even have a blow-off match, would end up having to be retired again in mid-1999. Until he returned to WCW in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> where he would win the w the newly minted wcw hardcore championship three times which fun fact stands as the company's record for that win for, for many title wins for that title this would also see him have a rivalry with one chris candido where they would have an infamous hardcore match in in a stables which would oh see terry funk pile drive chris candido into a bale of hay with a very very pissed off horse and would then see the horse mule kick terry funk in the arm terry funk no sold a mule kick written from a horse oh my god <laughs> Oh, he would also, Terry would capture the United States Championship as well. Uh, he was then shortly made WCW Commissioner on the January 3rd episode of Monday Nitro, and one time the leader of the short-lived stable known as the Old Age Outlaws, with Funkers leader Arn Anderson, Larry Sabisco, and Paul Orndorff making the group that would feud with NWO 2000. <laughs> Unfortunately, we couldn't see that come to fruition, as of course it was the year 2000 in WCW, and we all know what happened in the WCW in 2000. <laughs> so everyone immediately thought, with WCW out of business in 2001, that would mean that Funk, that could mean that Funk is now properly retired. Until he would be a regular for Ring of Honor and Major League Wrestling. Jesus Christ. Funk would have several battles with the likes of the Extreme Horsemen, the team of Steve Carino, C.W. Anderson, Just Incredible, and Simon Diamond. He would also have a few matches with CM Punk at this time. And this, of course, when it comes to MLW, would reignite his feud with Jerry the King Lawler. This was one of the very first Terry Funk matches I ever watched was Lawler versus Funk in, in MLW. Again, that full card, that full um um pay-per-view that or that um yeah, the full card that, that match was on is free on YouTube on MM MLW's YouTube channel. I highly recommend you watch it. Because then it's still Funk going, Lawler, my eye, my fucking eye. <laughs> Again. I can't do it as well as Dino. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to let him do it. I'm going to let him do it. <laughs> <laughs> also, he would take part in no, uh, he'd take part in the no ropes barbed wire death matches. He would have a war games match at MLW at one point as well. <laughs> but also during this time in the Indies, he would actually make a little stop over here in the UK, wrestling at the very first FWA British Uprising 
teaming with Paul Burchill. Unfortunately, it wasn't pirate nor incest Paul Burchill. Maybe thankful for the not the incest <laughs> for the incest Paul Burchill. And Paul Travell, managed by uh, managed by Dean Ais, the twisted genius, to take on the Triad. I can't remember who was part of the Triad. I should know because I was watching FWA at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Funk though would emerge victorious in front of a crowd of two thousand people in Coventry, <laughs> and of course, Fuck. let's talk about two thousand and five and Hardcore Homecoming. Now, Terry Funk received an offer from the WWE to appear at the very first ECW One Night Stand reunion, but he turned it down in favor of working for Hardcore Homecoming, which took place at the ECW Arena and was being run, I believe by Shane Douglas and Jeremy Borash. Now, the main event of that match was Shane Douglas versus Sabu versus Terry Funk in a three-way barbed wire match. Now, the I, you might be surprised by this because Shane Douglas has never wrestled in a barbed wire match at all <laughs> up to this point. And, of course, Terry Funk, being Terry Funk, had to fly himself, throw himself in the barbed wire, Grabbed a ladder at one point, jumped off the ladder, and then the ladder was then kind of bent and broke in so many other places when he attempted to try it once more. Basically, it was just Terry Funk being Terry Funk as he would be in 2005. <laughs> Although he didn't turn down the offer again when WWE came calling back in 2006 for the second ECW One Night Stand. He would appear... And the May 15th episode of Raw confronting Mick Foley over the attack of the prior week's attack on Tommy Dreamer. And at ECW One Night Stand, Funk decided that he had enough of Foley and Edge's uh, chicanery in Raw. And he would team up with, with Tommy Dreamer to take on Mick Foley and Edge. Although, on the night, Beulah McGillicutty and Lita decided they wanted to get involved as well. And so it turned into a six-person tag team match. Whole... Lee Moly. Let's talk about this match. <laughs> this match is violent as whole heck. <laughs> and of course, talking about Terry Funk, who of course, Terry 2006, more like the middle age, well, I say old age and crazy at this point. He ends up kind of gushing blood. I mean, what should I say? He, him, Dreamer. Bueller, Foley, Edge, and all six of them, I, well, yeah, all six of them end up bleeding. Quite profusely, may I add. Oh, I believe as well as midway through this match, Foley would do the injured eye spot on Funk, which uh, Funk was then taken backstage. Of course, this was, this again was the second time I ever heard Funk going, my eye, my eye, my fucking eye. <laughs> But would you believe Terry Funk would return to the match with a bloody cloth tied over his eye, may I add, to hit Mick Foley with a flaming 2x4 wrapped in barbed wire? What the fuck is going on? All I'm saying is, I'm kind of glad Funk got his WWE payday just for this one. <laughs> Terry... You crazy bastard. Never change. <laughs> he never will change. That's what I'm getting from this, these stories. He will never change. 
And soon after this, though, he would actually formally announce that he would uh, become semi-retired after that match. Uh, he would end up making certain several appearances here, here and there in Japan, including once in New Japan in a January 4th Dome show in 2010, <laughs> teaming with... Manobu Nakanishi, Masahiro Chono, and Riki Choshu to defeat Abdullah the Butcher, Takashi Izuka, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toru Yano. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just one of it's just one of those things. <laughs> but the, all saying saying all of this though, Terry Funk did also make a couple of appearances here and there in TNA. Back when it was just NWA TNA, when it was doing its weekly pay-per-views, he would team up with the Sandman to lose in a losing effort against CM Punk and Julio De Niro. And in February 2004, uh, Funk and Raven would team to actually defeat Punk and De Niro. He wouldn't make an appearance for TNA again until 2009, where he made an unannounced appearance at a house show for them. He would join Mick Foley as special guest enforcers for a match between Scott Steiner and Samoa Joe. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Steiner and Samoa Joe. He's fat! That's... Okay, continue. I, I, I should carry on as, I, as, as, as much as I have continued here. Finally, though, Terry and Dory Jr. got their uh, plaudits when they were inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009 the WWE Hall of Fame, I add, by their longtime friend Dusty Rhodes. Bloody good! It's a good. It was a. It's a feel-good moment. I do love that um, induction because it was just Dory and Terry just being Dory and Terry during their induction speech. <laughs> it's a thing of beauty, is what it is. God. Um. This would lead to a couple of sporadic appearances as well in WWE. The most famous one, of course, being in 2016, where he gave Dean Ambrose a pep talk for his match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32. All I remember about that is Terry just calling Dean one of the best wrestlers in the world and then said, you know what I've got for you? I've got a chainsaw for you. <laughs> and did he use it? No! He didn't! Nope, he did not. I am thoroughly disappointed. You turned down a chainsaw from Terry Funk, Dean? Ugh, no wonder they got you wearing a gas mask a few years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Most disappointing lunatic ever. Exactly. It wasn't even a fridge either. Anyway. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so. Uh, We'll talk about the more sporadic appearances as we wrap up here in the end. He would end up working, a, he would end up making a couple of appearances, as I said, for New Japan, which is still really weird to me that Terry Funk made an appearance for New Japan. He would end up appearing in the Insane Clown Posse's Juggalo Championship Wrestling at the 10th Annual Gathering of the Juggalos. I, the thing is, though, I laugh, but. ICP have always had a very good knack of booking really good names in their company. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, Tracy Smothers was one of the most like detested heels for the longest time in JCW. <laughs> but they also, at one point, I believe, had, like, the Great Muta, because, of course, they're, they're close ties when they were in WCW. Mm -hmm. Of course, we had... 
was it Trent Acid as well doing the evangelical gimmick, which was really kind of like, which was really pushing a lot of buttons at that time. <laughs> again, you wouldn't again when you say, when you hear the words ICP, you wouldn't expect it, but they treated the company and everyone that came through, from what I heard, really well. Yeah, I have yet to ever hear a bad experience of working for ICP and JCW. Like, I, that's a payday that I want to get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scott Hall as well. How can I forget they actually booked uh, like Scott Hall at one point as well? <laughs> oh God, um, this has just reminded me. I've just gotten uh, I've just gotten a flashback when talking about JCW. Do you remember Dino? Do you remember the tag team of Human Tornado and Zach Gowan? Briefly, I keep. Oh, I, I can't remember. There was a really kind of like on the knuckle name that they, the tag name that they had as well, wasn't it? I, oh yes, no, yeah, I remember. It's the pimp and gimp connection. Yeah. <laughs> God's sake! Oh, that's that, can I can I take that memory and put it back in my brain? Why would you want to keep it there? Just no. let it be gone. So. Coming up as we get to more to the end of here, Funk returned to Japan for an independent event in 2014, which saw him, Masakatsu Funaki, and Mil Maskalas <laughs> defeat the team of Kaz Hayashi, Nazawa Rongai, and Yoshiaki Fujiwara. <laughs> I love it! I love it so this much! This is a real thing. This isn't Fire Pro. It's real. It's a real thing. <laughs> Talking of Eddie Kingston earlier, during a 2015 AIW appearance, <laughs> Funk attacked Eddie and his manager, the Duke, to strain the concession and stand in the process. <laughs> Why did we never get Eddie Kingston versus Terry Funk? I honestly don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, he could still call him out. Yo, Tony! I know you've been you've been really good about giving me my my three matches, but there's one more that I gotta do. Harry Funk, <laughs> like what? <laughs> I just want to hear I a promo between a, a nonsensical promo between Eddie and Terry. <laughs> yeah, I I want to see it. I want to see it so badly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no. like I want Terry to stay at home and and just live his life. Cause seeing him like on videos recently. Mm. He just his hair is white now, and he he's literally just a grandpa. Exactly. Like, I'm like oh, he I'm des like, he's deserved with he's, just smiles. He's like, deserved he's... his retirement. He's absolutely <laughs> deserved his retirement. His final match, final final match in 2017, saw him team with the Rock and Roll Express. Which again, I can't believe that Ricky and Robert aren't retired. <laughs> <laughs> Today, on Doug Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, and Brian Christopher. Wow, that is one heck of a career that I have gone down. <laughs> I've tried to keep it short and sweet, but again, we're talking about Terry Funk here. <laughs> has he has he actually officially retired? He has officially yeah. retired as uh, right now, as of currently, what he what he's up to at the moment. Um, it was an. I think it was reported in 2021 that unfortunately Terry was diagnosed with dementia and is currently oh, no. living in, a, in an assisted living facility. Although apparently, as of as of last December, 
uh, Funk had returned home. Apparently, Lucid as ever doing really well. Um, as a matter of fact, if anyone did see it, the Dark Side of the Ring episode on FMW, Terry was on tremendous form. <laughs> ah, that's interesting. Um, he's of course, as you said, Dean, over the pictures, are, like sporting silver hair. Like I've seen the pictures of him and Mick together, and it's just like it's so sweet. And I'm just like. You know what, Terry? No, you know what? As much as I'd love to see you face Eddie, now nah, you you stay retired. You've earned your yeah, retirement. Retired, please. <laughs> I would, as much as I would love to see you pull off a moonsault one more time. No, <laughs> it's it's all good. You're all right. You're absolutely fine, Terry. So, with all of that, that is where we're ending the retrospective. But I'm going to end it with a little kind of a little question. Do you think, with a lot of arguments when we talk about, you know, GWE, greatest wrestlers ever, do you think that Terry Funk deserves to be in that group of names whenever the conversation of greatest wrestler ever comes up? Undoubtedly. Like, just completely. Like, I feel that nobody should ever list names without him being on it especially at the top Hmm. because terry funk if you ask any wrestler any wrestler from now all the way to like even before my or your time terry funk is a name that is mentioned and yet at the same time you don't hear any horrible things about him you Hmm. hear crazy shit about him but terry funk is a person that anybody who's crossed paths with him has stated as the most respectful person who is humble who is willing to put over whoever he needs to put over a, a just a constant professional and at the same time appreciated for all the things he contributed to wrestling if they even if they've never met him and so to me that is the definition of what the greatest of all time should be mm. yes skill is there yes moments are there but, you know, a person's matches and everything else are only as good as their reputation. And to me, that that is a, an important factor when watching a lot of, of matches of wrestlers now and then. Um, and Terry Funk is one that I can just constantly go back and revisit. And the fact that I got to, I had the honor of experiencing such kindness when I was a student uh with him when i went to pick him up for a a show with the original xpw he showed me the most utmost respect as if i had already been in the business and i i'd never heard of that at that time Mm. and it it meant absolutely the the most to me um credit my reputation is nowhere near terry funk whether it be (laughs) as a as a person or even as a professional but like I tried to live by that example. I'm like, this man had no, he, he really didn't owe me anything, mm. but he shook my hand. He talked to me about, you know, am I in the business and wanted to know about me. And at the same time offered advice whenever he could. I mean, just a few days ago, I, <laughs> I thought about um, him because uh, I was like, damn, I'm hungry and I'm a little broke. <laughs> I'm very broke actually, but I'm like, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go get a candy bar I got like four candy bars for like two dollars and I thought to myself yep this is my my dinner this is a wrestler's dinner and that's exactly what he said when we picked him up because he's like 
Do you think we could stop by a, a store or something? I, I want to get something to eat. And I go, oh, well, we can take you to like any place you want to go. He goes, no, no, no. I just, I just need a little something. And he's like, do you want anything? I'm like, oh, no, no. Thank you so much, though. And bless his heart, him and the wall, brother, they came back. Um, and he's like, here you go. I got you this Snickers bar. And I'm just like, thank you so much. Like, I really appreciate that. And like, I swear, if I if I legitimately wasn't starving at that time, um, I probably would have framed that fucking candy bar because <laughs> Terry Funk bought me a candy bar and just completely was just the kindest and sweetest person in the world. And like that, that alone to me, I'm just like, OK, I need to be like this man. Like, granted, I want to do crazy shit like him too. I still do. <laughs> Even as a manager, I still want to do crazy shit. Um, but Terry Funk is an example and a high bar example that I wish a lot of people would live by as a standard in professional wrestling as well as life. So, yes, Terry Funk is not just the greatest wrestler of all time, but one of the greatest souls of all time. Dang, I couldn't put it better myself. Can you, Ridden? No, I got nothing. I had something to say. But it was, I I had something, but you know, I you know, I'm just gonna let I'll let the guest have this one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're absolutely fine. don't, absolutely. Dino. Don't at all. Like, I mean, I mean, I don't have a Terry Funk like um, story either. So, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Your opinions are still important. Exactly. So. I mean, to me, yeah. Like, like when starting wrestling. Like, I, of course, Rock, Austin were the guys you, that you grew up with when I was a kid in my time. But the more I got mm -hmm. into it, the more I had the more vested interest in the independent scene and looking back more into the history, the more I started to realize, A, I was seeing Terry Funk's name more often, um, and B, damn, this guy is so damn good. And the longevity mm -hmm. kind of speaks volumes to how bloody good he was and how much he saw being able to change with the times can reap so many rewards as well. So yeah, Ter Terry Funk's up there as one of my favorites of all time <laughs> as well for just being crazy and middle-aged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> and you know what? Dan is going to kick himself that you missed this episode. Don't you think, Reardon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> But no, that is where we are going to end this episode. That was a heck of a journey. I enjoyed that one so, so much. And I think, Reardon, I think you could tell that I've been wanting to talk about Terry Funk for a long time. Oh, absolutely. I can tell. <laughs> you are not a subtle man. <laughs> Dino, may I just say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for appearing on this one um as i've said numerous times on social media to, for you to go for me to go from a, a viewer who loved everything you do to now to know you to chat with you and to become a friend it's it's surreal to me and for you to kind of pop on to this pokey little podcast of ours and just shoot the breeze and talk about one of the greatest wrestlers of all time it's it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much dino i really do appreciate it Oh, you, you're <laughs> sorry. I'm a little choked up. Um, you're very kind for for those words. Thank you so very much. Um, yeah, I again, I I I put over your work numerous <laughs> times online. I can't stress it enough. And uh, 
you know, I think you're fantastic at what you do. And anytime that I see that your name is attached to something, I get very excited because I know for a fact that it's going to be a fantastic display of the subject at hand and at the same time, a great display of skills. And watching your skills built up over every project is just a fascinating and wonderful thing to witness. And, uh, you know, as somebody who's been a New Legacy and is not as involved as I really, really, really want to be, <laughs> I understand that there's a schedule and a roster. Mm. But um, just hearing, you know, the 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 very humbling compliments that you give me and, and anybody else does it's, it it means the world to me because i don't expect anything i do to really mean much to people but you know i it's always nice to hear that people enjoy it because <laughs> as a performer my uh confidence is not the best but <laughs> it uh it doesn't stop me from goofing around and i know i'm not everyone's cup of tea but the fact that I am someone's cup of tea is really, really nice. To, and I'm not saying cup of tea just to just to fit the demographic here, but uh, you know, for uh, sorry, but um, you know, it's 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 always nice for me to hear that. And uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for giving me this honor of being on your guys' show, and you know, especially for such a topic of that is very important to me, um, and a person that had a huge impact on me not just in wrestling but in life so this is this is a gift for me um just the honor of it and the situation itself and it's it's greatly appreciated and from the very core of me i want to thank you both and thank everybody for for having me here today so oh right oh, now i'm tearing up you know reardon's an editor a good one as well <laughs> I, absolutely yeah i, I apologize oh, no, 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 you're fine. I mean, Don't worry. I mean, it's very, it's very, it's a very broad um, compliment. I don't, I don't want anybody to feel like I've left it out. No, 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 no. You're, you're good. You're good, Dino. It's an absolute, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast until I heard your dog shit opinions about Rocky movies. And just, just, just the worst, the worst guest we've ever had in the history of this podcast. That's true. But given, given the fact that I've, I've involved in a, 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 in a fandom that is probably the most toxic fandom in the world, I've definitely come to learn um, that difference of opinion is okay because it is merely preference. Exactly. And, yeah, but I will say this. Halloween Kills is fucking terrible. Whoever likes that movie <laughs> completely needs to get their head checked. Let, I, them, I know. Let them know. I have not seen any of the new Halloween movies, so I can actually not have an opinion and not get shouted at. It's great. <laughs> Good. Oh, you are very – you're a smart person, so <laughs> – it's rubbish. It's just complete trash. It so. is not great. It is not great. Okay. <laughs> Dino, the floor is yours. Anything that you've got coming up, social medias, anything that you want to plug, now's the time. Take it away, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Well, uh, we at Dub3, I don't know when this is airing, but uh, I'll, you can catch me at W3 Whole World Wrestling. That is Andrew Everett's E-Fed, which I uh, co-commentate with along with uh, him and uh, Courtney Rush, the vessel for Rosemary and the chair-throwing freak, Nexus Omega. It is our uh, weekly, well, we're going to be doing our season finale, but we have plenty available at the Dub3 archives, but be sure to check out official Dub3, uh, our Twitter account, for any of the archives, any of the news coming up, 
Uh, you can occasionally catch me on New Legacy whenever I'm around and the call is open. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I love my boys forever. Without them, I don't think anybody would really remember me. And, uh, yeah, and uh, you can also catch my roommate, Howdy Price, on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and uh, occasionally laughing at negative one for losing his best friend. Um, it's the most heelish thing he's, does, he's done these days. But uh, he's, uh, he's a slippery rascal, that guy. But uh, also, uh, you can just catch me around. I'm a very accessible guy. We share a, a um, Twitter account at Price Howdy. We also share uh, a Hive account as well at Price Howdy. Or you can catch us on Instagram. I'm at DizzleWizzle983. That's all one word. And come underscore say underscore howdy. That's his uh, Instagram as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to chat about wrestling or music or movies or you know, food, I'm that guy. I love talking about anything with everyone. And, you know, just you know, be respectful, be cool, love everybody, be safe. But uh, oh, also, if you want to watch wrestling with me, you can check me out on my Twitch channel, uh, D Winwood's Ghost, um, on Twitch, twitch.tv. Um, we watch classic WCW worldwide and Saturday night, and occasionally I do some uh, random playlists of Japanese wrestling, Lucha Libre, uh, Shuto Pancras style, anything that is under the sun or the database cloud. Uh, we will watch it because the influences are there. There's many things to be discovered and rediscovered. And I just fucking love professional wrestling. Even though our relationship is rocky, I still love it. And I think that everybody should check it out and learn and take notes of whatever they want to do. So, As I said, it's a wacky, weird industry, but I can't help but love it so much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you ever so much. That's the best plug I think we've ever had. For a guest, isn't it, Vin <laughs> It it's it is acceptable. I'll give him that. It's Perfect. Thank you. See, I I'd prefer that. Yeah, that's truthful. <laughs> I I love the praise, but I I there's that part of my brain. I'm like, I need to be put on back on the ground here. <laughs> Fair. It balances. Yeah. Again, perfectly balanced as all things should be. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. So next episode, we are going to be joined by our good friend of the podcast, Matty Lords, as we go over the life <laughs> and career of Scott Hall. Really excited, really looking forward to that one for sure. But until the next episode, apparently it's been Scott Hall as well. (laughs) I've been Sam. This has been Reardon. I almost said Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Because again, 120 odd episodes, that is burned into my mind. So this is weird. I've been Sam. This has been Reardon and Dino. And we'll see you as always on the next one. Take it easy, everybody. Bye. Bye bye.